Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to our Vision Sunday 2023 message. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. Hey, if you don't mind standing for a moment longer, I would love uh, to read our opening passage of Scripture uh, as we get going today. So John chapter 7 is where we are. It says, on the last and the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and he said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So, Father, today we pray for a release of the Holy Spirit and a filling in our hearts fresh today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, you guys can find your seats this morning. Is there, is there anyone excited to be in church today? That's what I like to hear. Come on. Hey, uh, if, if you are new or visiting, you need to understand that you came to church on a very special day today because today is Vision Sunday. Let, yeah, come on. Let's go. A couple people excited for Vision Sunday. Now, uh, if you are new to church, I'll let you know that this is our fifth Vision Sunday. Fifth Vision Sunday, yeah, thank you, a couple people excited today. Now, if you do not know this, next weekend, as a church, we are celebrating five years. It's our, it's our fifth birthday, and so the whole party starts next Friday night. Friday night, 5.30, out in the back, food trucks bouncy castles, all the good stuff. And then we got a worship night. If you don't like worship, you're in the wrong place to begin with, but I just want to encourage you, next Friday, uh, 7 o'clock is the worship night, and I have a feeling, especially if the food truck lines get real long, because y'all love ice cream and burgers and whatnot, uh, we're hoping to start at 7. So can I say that in advance? If it doesn't, I guess that's that's the will of the Lord, so I can't, but... uh, next weekend. And it's going to be jam-packed in here, so it's going to be amazing. You're getting a preview right now uh, of what Friday night is going to look like. Now, uh, back to what I was saying, this is our fifth Vision Sunday. And if you do not know what Vision Sunday is, Vision Sunday is the Sunday where we share uh, the vision that we believe that God has for us for this year. Now, if you do not know this, our church, we always have um, our central vision. We have a vision statement. We have a mission statement. Kingdom Church, we exist to lead people into an authentic relationship with Jesus. That's why we're here. We want to lead people into a real relationship with Jesus. However, hello. Um, (laughs) However, we have that central mission statement, but every single year on Vision Sunday, we come together and we share the specific vision that God has for us as a church and as a people for the next 365. And uh, if you guys are a part of our church community, you will know that our last Vision Sunday, our vision was deeper. 
a whole year ago. Can you believe that? Now, there, there's a verse that I share probably every single Vision Sunday, uh, and it's found in Proverbs 29. And Proverbs 29, verse 18 says this. It says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one <clears throat> who heeds wisdom's instruction. Now, I don't always love the KJV version of the Bible because sometimes it can be confusing because it's old English. But in this text, I actually like the KJV better. King James says it like this. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, when the Bible talks about vision, what it's talking about here is simply this divine revelation. In other words, where God has not been revealed, where God is not leading, the people perish. Does that make sense? And so the reason we do Vision Sunday is because we want to make sure, hey, God, where you're leading our church, we want to just follow. And as I just said, we just came off of a year where uh, our vision for this last year, and we go September to September because we started our church in September. The vision we just came off of was deeper. And if you want to understand what, what, what was that word, what was that all about, the idea of deeper was simply this. We believe that God was calling us into deeper communion with him, to build deeper roots, to have a better and bigger and more biblical picture of who God is. And so everything that we did this last year, specifically when it came to teaching, was under the guise of like, let's go deeper. Some of you guys remember when we first came into this church building here last September, we did untangling emotions. Anyone remember this? And what we said, we said, you cannot be spiritually mature if you're emotionally immature, right? That was entangling emotions. Then we talked about uh, total truth. We talked about building a biblical worldview. We read the whole book of Jonah. That was fun, hey? Some of y'all, first book you've ever read of the Bible, let's go. And, and we read Jonah, and everything that we're doing is under the guise of, like, let's go deeper. That was, that was last year. Now, what I think happens sometimes in churches, and I want to address it, is a lot of times, um, especially church people, they try to put the church in a box. And they say, churches can only do one of two things. Either churches reach people, and they're really evangelistic for unsaved, lost people, or they build the believers, and they feed, and they nourish, and they help the believers grow closer to Christ. Now, I believe that's a false dichotomy, because I believe the church exists for both, for the believers to be edified, but also for those who are far from Jesus to find hope in him. And I just happen to believe the scripture is so powerful that if you are stay rooted in scripture, you can reach lost people and edify believers. I know, it's crazy. The task, the task would be daunting if it was just me, but I'm just so happy that the Holy Spirit and the word lead us to where we're going to go. Now, I say that all to say, the last two years, because I know like people today, some of y'all like, didn't hear about Kingdom Church two years ago, but uh, two years ago, um, our vision was to build. It's just one word, build. And it, it was really cool because the year ended and we, we built this church. And when I look back at the last two visions uh, that God gave us, and really just words that God gave us, um, they were really about foundations and building foundations. And what I think is cool is I'm going to share uh, the, the vision that God has for us this year. I think God has been setting us up for the last two years so we're ready for what he wants to do this year. And, and I'm just excited because this year I don't have um, like a word or a statement. I believe this year God has given us a rallying cry as a church. 
something to rally and gather behind. And so I'm excited to share the vision, and I will in a second. But um, before I share what the vision is, I need to let you know where it came from. Can I let you know where the vision came from this year? So uh, we, since we've started the church, Christy, uh, my wife, and I, we've always gone to a conference. It's a church planting conference called ARC uh, Canada Conference. Come on, somebody. One shot of Heather. Love you. Um, and what that conference is and what ARC is, ARC stands for Association of Related Churches, and they're an organization that helps plant church, churches plant in Canada. And we love that organization because they have a heart to reach lost people. And they just think the best way to reach lost people is to plant more churches. How many guys know Canada doesn't need less churches, we need more churches. We need more people willing to go to the places that no one else would go to reach those that no one else is reaching. So we've always gone to these conferences, we've been so filled um, by them, inspired by them, been able to take our team a couple times, which has been so cool. Um, and last year we made the decision, we said, you know what, we're not just going to be borrowers, we're going to actually sow back into them. And so as a church, a part of our missions funds goes to Art Canada. So if you give to the church, you're actually helping plant churches in Canada. How cool is that? Uh, and anyways, I was at the conference last June. Everyone back with me? I just had to, to, to plug those guys. We're at the conference last June. Now, anyone that's ever been to a church conference knows that pretty well, no matter what the conference is, no matter what it's about, it's always going to end with an altar call. You guys know what an altar call is? I'll explain it because only one person knew. An altar call <laughs> is when the preacher or the speaker makes the appeal to come to the front, right? It's, it's a bold, usually a step of declaration of faith. Sometimes it's to receive Jesus. Sometimes it's to receive prayer, whatever it is. But this is the altar and the calls to come forward. Is that making sense? And at the end of the conference, I went up for the altar call. And as I was at the front, like the worship band was playing like, you know, the more like worship songs, right? Like all hail King Jesus kind of stuff uh, where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then uh, at the end of their set, last set, uh, last song of the set, last song of the whole conference, uh, they played a song called uh, Just the Mention of His Name. Now, if you were on time to church today, uh, if you're not, I love you, uh, but be on time next week. Uh, the first song that we sang was called just the mention of his name. And this song is playing and it's like, if you want to, right? Just in case you missed it. And I'm at, I'm at the altar and what happened was that the Holy Spirit began to speak to my heart. And he took me back to a moment um, about seven or eight years ago. Uh, before this church ever existed, I had started um, a young adult program. I was a youth pastor, and I started a young adult program called Altitude. And the, the whole heart behind this thing, shout out to the one person who knows what it is, the whole heart behind it uh, was I wanted to create a place where people uh, th that didn't really go to church, that were far from God, could come and experience God. And I called it Altitude because I wanted people to get high on Jesus. Come on. Uh, thank you. Uh, that wasn't actually why I was called that. But my whole heart above all was I grew up and I had a lot of friends that, that didn't go to church. And I really just wanted to create a space for like my high school friends, people that never went to church, that they could come to church. That was the whole reason I started it. And by the grace of God, which was really cool, uh, a bunch of guys that I went to high school with 
came to this program, which was awesome. And even cooler, like there's people in our church today, uh, young people that when they were in high school and, and whatnot, they came and checked it out, uh, which is amazing. There's a lot of people I only know because of that. And, but for me, the biggest thing always was like, I want, I want guys I went to school with to be able to come and experience Jesus. And so uh, it happened, a few guys, and one guy in particular uh, was my friend named Sandy. And Sandy was uh, in my drama class. He, he was my friend. I was in drama class. Come on, somebody. <laughs> drama was cool at my school. I don't, know where, I don't know where you guys went, but he was in my class. And, and Sandy, he, he was like a lot of guys I went to high school with uh, that enjoyed uh, a certain lifestyle uh, that involved things like drugs, alcohol, all, all the finer things in life. And uh, that was kind of his story in high school. And when I met him when I was doing this young adult program, uh, that was kind of his story still. And so a lot of times, like, he'd come to the program, and, and I was pretty sure he was high. But I was like, I don't really care. I'm just happy you're in this space. And uh, he came a few times. And the thing about this program that I ran, it was kind of random. We did it, like, sometimes once a month, sometimes uh, once <laughs> every six months. It was real random when we did it. At best, there was a little stretch we did every other week, but pretty random. And so I'll never forget, I got a call from my friend Sandy uh, one Sunday night. That's when we were doing it at the time. Um, and he calls me, and, and I pick up my phone. He's like, yo, bro. He's like, I'm outside the church. He's like, I'm looking in the window. He's like, I don't see anybody. And I'm like, I'm like, bro. He's like, can someone let me in? I'm like, dude, I'm like, uh, it's not happening tonight. I was like, it's not, this, it's not, this isn't the night. And I, I don't know what the schedule was, if it was happening next week or in two weeks, but I was just like, bro, the next one is right here. That's when it is. And he's like, oh, okay, later, bro. And just hangs up. And uh, I remember that moment because uh, it stuck out to me that I was like, man, this is so cool that my friend, like, who, who would probably never go to church, like, is on a Sunday night outside of a church banging on a door trying to get in. Like, I thought that was so cool. But then a part of me was like, man, like, I wish, I wish there was just something more. And it was just a little while later. I don't remember if it was his girlfriend or one of our mutual friends, but I got a phone call that my friend Sandy had taken his own life. And it wasn't long after that, I began to think of that night. And I had that image of Sandy outside the church trying to get in. And a part of me just said, man, if we only had something, if there was something to offer him that night. One of the reasons and one of the main motivations um, that we started this church was because of my friend Sandy. Because like at the time, if you didn't know this, I was probably a little bit too young to start a church. Um, I, was, I was definitely a little bit too dumb to start a church. Uh, but I really just had this, this, this thing in my heart and I really felt like we don't have time to wait because there are other people out there that are crying out desperately, looking for something. And, and that was a big motivation for, for starting this church. Now, we're back to the conference. Is everyone following? And this is where the Lord brought me. I'm thinking about my friend Sandy. I'm at this conference. And I had this moment where, like, because I know that story. I just hadn't thought about it for a while. Um, and, and the Lord brought me back to that moment. And so I'm sitting at the front of the altar, um, and I'm thinking about my friend Sandy. And the band is, is on the stage, so I'm like, I'm like right here. And the band's just doing their thing. I said first service, Chase was crying somewhere. Um, and 
<laughs> I'm over here, and, and, and I kind of snapped back to reality because I was thinking about my friend. Um, and then as, as I'm back to reality, I look back uh, to the confidence monitor. Do you guys know what a confidence monitor is? Uh, it's the thing. If you guys turn around, you're going to see the team back there. There's a blue screen uh, behind a couple people waving. So that blue screen back there, which our worship team never uses because they memorize and, and they're, they're in the spirit. But uh, The confidence monitor has the lyrics for the song in case someone <laughs> forgets. And so... Um, the band is, is, is singing their song, just the mention of his name. Uh, like, you know, if you, if you walked in heavy, da 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 um, And I snap back from this moment. And, and it's really weird to explain to people how God speaks to you. Because it's, you know, it's not linear. Uh, so in this moment, I look back, I snap back to reality. I look at the confidence monitor. Um, and on the confidence monitor, it has the next words to the song. And the next three words to the song are everything can change. Everything can change. And as I looked at the confidence monitor, and again, I'm trying to describe how God speaks, I knew with absolute clarity, this is the vision for the next year. This is where God has taken us. This belief and this rallying cry that no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, no matter the amount of brokenness, if people could just get into the presence of Jesus, everything could change. Come on, somebody, everything can change. And so here's where we're going for the next year. If you call Kingdom Church home, and I just told you, God's building stuff. For the next year, we are gathering around this belief and this rallying cry that if we could just get people to Jesus, Everything could change. Everything could change. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, okay, that's amazing, but what, what does that look like practically? What, what does that mean, everything can change? So what I want to do is I want to go to Scripture, and I want to break down exactly what I think this means and give an even clearer picture of why Kingdom Church exists. And so, again, if you're new or visiting, great day for you to be here because you can find out what we're all about. Y'all happy to be here today? So we're going to get into the Gospel of John. Before we get into it, I'll give a little context, because it's important to understand the words of Jesus that we'll read. So in John chapter 7, what's happening is there is this Jewish festival known as um, the Festival of Tabernacles. And what the Festival of Tabernacles was it was a Jewish festival where all the, the Jewish people, the Israelite people, they would come together and they would commemorate the time that God had guided them when they were in the wilderness. When they lived in tents, God guided them. Um, and so every single year, and even to this day, there are many Jews that still celebrate the Festival of Tabernacles. Now, what we need to know, you don't need to know all that context, what you need to know is during the festival, on the seventh day of the festival, there was a ceremony. And at this ceremony, the priest would come and he would get a pitcher of water from the nearby pool and he would symbolically pour that water out at the temple. And what he was doing for this ceremony is he was symbolically declaring that one day, listen to this, like, like and how God guided them in the past, like and how God provided for them in the wilderness, he would one day do it again. 
He would one day fill them with their presence. He would one day come and do it again. Now, that was day seven. They had this water ceremony. On the eighth day, is everyone following? On the eighth day, what they would do is because this, this it was literally a celebration, so there's a feast, all of these things. On the eighth day, they would fast. So it went from a feast to a fast. And at the fast, what they would do is they wouldn't eat food, they wouldn't drink, but they would pray and cry out this cry, God, would you fill us again? God, would you lead us again? That's day eight. Is everyone following? That's when Jesus rolls up. Really important context. And so what happens in verse 37 is his on the last and the greatest day of the festival, as the people are fasting, as they're crying out to God, Jesus said, stood, and he said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow within them. So there's two amazing implications in this text. Number one is this. These people are crying out to God, saying, God, would you, would you come? Would you, would you do it again? Would you fill us again? Would you lead us again? And what happens as they're crying out to God, Jesus comes in the middle of the crowd, and he says, all who are thirsty, come to me. So there's a big implication here. Jesus is saying something, not just come, come to me, but what he's saying is I am the one you're crying out for. In other words, I am the God that you are searching for. I'm the one that led you in the past. So he says, come to me. That's the first implication, that he is God. Second implication is this, and what's relevant today and, and, and where we're going to go, is that the cry of the people at this festival, at this ceremony, was always for the future. God, that you would do something in the future, that you would fill us again. Jesus says, let anyone who is thirsty today right here, right now, come to me. Because anyone that comes to me, he says, rivers of living water will flow within them. So here's the implication of the invitation. Hope, restoration, healing, it doesn't have to be a future thing. He's, Jesus is saying today is found right here. In other words, you want to know what he's saying? He's saying, if you come to me, he's saying everything can change. Everything can change. So I, I want to declare something to someone in this place that feels like you're in a, in a broken place, in a hopeless place, run, running in circles. I, I want you to understand, in just a moment, everything can change. The decree and the declare of Jesus 2,000 years ago, come to me, is available for us today. Come today and everything can change. So I want you to understand this vision for our church. Here's what I want us to understand. If you come to this place, if you call this place home, here's what we're all about. We are a church for the thirsty. We're here for the thirsty. I, I want you to understand something. You come to this place, your life doesn't have to be all together. You have doubts, you have questions, you have brokenness, you have insecurities, you have hopelessness, you, whatever it is, you are welcome in this place. You want to know the, 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 the prerequisite for coming to this church? Pretty simple. As long as you're thirsty, you're welcome here. Yeah. 
It's as simple as that. If you are thirsty, you are welcome in this place. We are a place for the hopeless to find hope. We are a place for the broken to be restored. We are a place for the weary to find rest. Because in the presence of Jesus, everything can change. Is, is everyone following? It's, it's just, it just takes a moment. Now, here's the issue. Here, here's the issue. Oftentimes, the very people that Jesus is calling out to, to the thirsty, oftentimes, it's the followers of Jesus that reject the thirsty. You guys know that? You guys ever been there? Now, what's interesting, there's this thing that Christians love to say. Um, if you're a Christian, you probably said it. Uh, and it's like, uh, the world has never been this bad. This is the worst in human. You guys ever hear this? It's like the world. People are more evil than ever. This is the worst time in human history. Jesus is coming back soon. We are in the end times. Now, I don't, I, I don't disagree with you um, that Jesus is coming soon, and I don't disagree with you that we're in the end times. Because when I read the Bible, um, when I read the apostles, uh, they believe we're in the end times. So if, if they're in the end times 2,000 years ago, I guess I'm in the end times too. Here's what I want to challenge you, though. This idea that people today are, are more evil, more wicked, more broken, that we are seeing things that we've never seen before. Here's what I want to challenge you on, because here's what I believe to be true. The way in which evil, sin, brokenness manifests itself, it does change from time to time, from generation to generation. But what I don't think changes is humanity. And because the core of what it means to be human stays the same, that's why the Bible is always relevant. Because behaviors change, but humans don't really. And what I believe to be true is that for most people, when their life manifests something that we would consider broken, something that we would consider evil or sinful, whatever it may be, I think the majority of the time beneath the surface, there's a very human issue going on. And I believe this is a human issue from the beginning to the end. It's just simply two questions that I think all of us are wrestling with. It's simply this. Can I share it? Who am I and where do I belong? Who am I and where do I belong? That is the continual question from the beginning to the end. Who am I and where do I belong? And I want you to understand something. We as humans... We are logical second. We're relational first. And a lot of times what happens is that people will go to the place simply where they feel they belong. Logically, you're like, why would, why would you ever do that? Like, what, what are you, where are you going? What are you doing? But when people feel like they belong, you need not underestimate the power of belonging. Because it answers one of the core questions of who am I? However, here's what I believe to be true. Is that the ultimate answer to the question of who am I and where do I belong is found in no other place than Jesus. So what happens is we go to places 
We go to things, we go to identities, we go to relations, whatever it is, to help answer that question. And what happens, especially in church world, is many times we see the things that are manifest of that deeper question of who am I? And in the church, we kind of just say, ah, no time, take a step back, whatever it is. But what I would wager to guess, if someone came to church and just overtly said, I don't know who I am, I don't know where I belong, every single time we'd welcome them with open arms. What I want to tell you today is most of the issues that we see today and manifest come down to that central issue of who am I and where do I belong. You know, I was, I was watching uh, a movie. Uh, I was watching Jesus Revolution. Uh, anyone see Jesus Revolution? Everyone over 50, I know you saw it. You, you, you told us. You told us. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I watched the movie, and if you don't know what it's about, um, in the 70s, in the midst of the sexual revolution, uh, the hippie revolution, whatever you want to call it, but you know the time where everyone was doing drugs and listening to music and growing their hair out, all these cool things, uh, LSD. Um, you can define if that's cool or not for, for your life. Uh, in the midst of that revolution, uh, another revolution took place, which was a Jesus revolution. And in that time, uh, there was a group of people that were reaching all of these hippies, all of these kind of quote-unquote outcasts um, with the message of Jesus. Now, that's, that's what the movie's about. It's about that time in history. Now, I'm watching the movie. Um, and, and listen, I thought it was a good movie. Uh, for myself, I classify it as a Christian movie, um, and what I mean by that is, like, we can talk later. <laughs> but it's fine. It's a good movie. I'm watching it, and there's a scene. And there's a scene in the movie where uh, all of these hippies come to church. And there's a guy in the church, and uh, he, he basically goes to the pastor, and he's like, uh, he's like if, if you want these people to be in church... I'm leaving. We're leaving. All, all of us, we're, we're out of here. And as I was watching that scene in the movie, uh, something weird began to happen. Uh, I just started to cry. Um, and I couldn't, like, I couldn't stop. Like, I, I was trying to stop because, like, I'm watching with Christy and her grandma, and I'm like, <laughs> so I'm trying to hold it in, but, like, I'm crying. Uh, and I was like, like, this acting is mediocre at best. Like, what am I, like, why am I? What's going on here? Uh, and I realized in that moment the reason I was so touched was because, like, I mean, I guess there's a few hippies that still live, but, like, it's not like, as, as, it's not like what it was in the 70s. But what I realized is, like, humanity doesn't change. People are just looking to belong, and they're trying to answer the question of who am I. And, and I think I was crying because, man, I was like, how many people are so thirsty but they don't feel like they have a place um, in the presence of the only one that can actually quench their thirst. And when I think about the vision that God gave us for our church for this next year, this belief that everything can change, what I want us to understand is that as a church, we are dedicated to being a place where people from all walks of life can come and experience hope and healing in the name of Jesus. That is our mission, 
And that's what we're trying to do. Now, one of the things you've probably heard if you have non-Christian friends at some point, other than like you, you guys all have the friends which it's like, I'm not coming to church. I'm a light on fire when I get there. Not going to happen. Um, but there's like our other friends, if you guys have been there, um, and it's like, hey, if I, if I come, do I have to change? You guys heard this question? It's like, well, if I, if I come to church, do I have to change? I'm, I'm going to answer the question. You walk through these doors. I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what you believe. I don't care where you're going. I don't care where you've been. You are welcome in this place. But hear me for a second. If we truly bring people into the presence of Jesus, hear me for a second. Some things aren't changing. Everything's changing. You see, I, I want to take some pressure off because we got a lot of Christian folks in this place. Um, and, and God's been doing something this year as we've gone deeper. And I've been praying for the last six months because God's just brought us strong believers. People have been here, been in the faith for years. And I've been, God, what do you, what do you want me to do? What, do you want me, like, what am I supposed to do with these people? Um, and I just felt the Lord say to me this week, um, just prepare them. Just let them know that we're going to open up space for thirsty people. And so I want to let you know to take some pressure off. Your job isn't to change people. Your job is simply to get them into the presence of Jesus. And in the presence of Jesus, everything changes. Now, here's what I think is funny about the question of do I have to change. A lot of times it is the thirstiest people that are asking this question. And what I would just say to someone in this place, if you're thirsty and you're asking, do I have to change? I want to ask you another question. Don't you want to change? Do you really want to walk down that path anymore? Of brokenness? Of hurting? Of, of, of looking for solutions? And, and I'm here to tell you, if you, if you come into this church, you, you don't have to do anything. But I don't want to mislead you. I want to let you know that if you come into the presence of the resurrected Christ Jesus, you will be changed. There is no place in scripture you will ever read of someone coming face to face with the resurrected Jesus and not being changed in some way. I'm just here to let you know, I don't think it's my job. My job above all is to get you to Jesus. And as I get you into his presence, the Holy Spirit has this way of convicting and changing and giving words that are better than anything that I could ever do. Now, at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you're going to be the same. I don't want you to be the same. And I don't want to be the same because I believe that everything can change in his presence. So as a church, it's like, well, what are we doing? What are we doing? Because God's going to bring us thirsty people. God is already bringing us thirsty people. Well, number one, we said we're making room. Right, we went to two services two weeks ago. We're jam-packed again today. That's all right. We're going to continue to make room. For some of y'all, that means coming at 9 a.m. We're going to continue to make space for people to experience Jesus. There's a reason that some of us have been in this building for four to five hours. It's because you're saying, hey, I'm here for the thirsty. I'm here for the broken. I'm here for someone that needs a drink of water. I'm here because I know that this is a place for the thirsty. So if you want to know what we're all about, we are a place for 
the thirsty. Now, it's Vision Sunday, so I want to share some, like, big, exciting stuff that we're doing as well to prepare for people that are broken and hurting. Um, Easter Sunday, 2024, uh, we as a church are going to the Arden Theater. Now, I to, and I told first service, I got to be honest, I'm a pastor here. Uh, they told us, yes, but it's a holiday, so we got to figure some things out. But they don't know that we're praying people, uh, and you guys are praying already that we're going to be there Easter Sunday. Um, now, the Arden Theater holds over 500 people, um, and I'm just believing that we're going to fill that place up. Yeah. And, like, I know that, like, your grandma, Sherry, she's coming, and I know she's been a Christian for 40 years, and she always comes to Easter. That's fine. I get that. And there's space for her, too. But here's my ultimate hope, that people who would never walk foot in a church would walk through the doors on Easter Sunday. Someone would walk in hopeless and walk out filled with hope. And I'm just believing. It's, it's a little bit of a stretch. It's, it's a little bit of work. But we're for the thirsty. And we're, we're going to go to this space, in a space that doesn't always declare the name of Jesus. But on that Sunday, it's going to be proclaimed. And I believe that people are going to come face to face with the resurrected Christ Jesus. And when that happens, everything can change. Everything can change. And I want to let us know, those that call this place home, every Sunday in between, every Wednesday, Thursday, Tuesday, Monday, whenever it is that we're gathered together in any form, in any space, I want you to understand we're for the thirsty. We're for the ones that Jesus is crying out to. Come and drink. So, how do we get ready? Look at this, John 7, 39. It says, by this, what's the water? What's the drink? He said in verse, uh, sorry, well, he said 38, rivers living water. Um, yeah, yeah, 38, we're good. I was wrong, not 39. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. So this is really cool because Jesus is the wellspring. He's the one from which it flows. But then he says, whoever believes in me, whoever is in me, he says, the same water flows out of them, which, which is really cool. Because ultimately, it's this. Like, with Jesus, like, I got, I got access. And we're going to talk about what the water is in a second. Without him, I don't have anything. That's just the truth. Like, I, I have some stuff. Like, I, I know you have gifts. I know you have talents. I know you have abilities. I know you have likes and all, all these things. But without him, I don't have anything. You know, one of the things I'm most proud of, of our church, is that so many people come to this place, um, and they just say, man, uh, when I came there, like, everyone was so friendly. Like, I just, I felt so welcomed and, uh, and seen and known, and, and I love that. And uh, I'm so happy that we have friendly people. But I want you to understand something. It's, it's not just friendly people. Because there's a difference between friendly people and spirit-filled people. This is important. There's friendly people everywhere. Some of y'all work with some friendly people. There's a marked difference between friendly people and spirit-filled people. And I believe those that come into this place and mark and remark at how 
it, the experience feels different, it's not because of friendly people. It's because of spirit-filled people. Because when brokenness and hurting and darkness come face-to-face with light, everything changes. Now hear me, we're not the light, we're just a reflection of him. And we have this privilege and this honor as believers to say, hey, I'm not Jesus, I can't change your life, but he's changed mine, and I got this thing called joy, I got this thing called peace, I got this thing called, come on somebody, and and so I can't can't change your life, but I I can surely point you to the one who can. But I want you to understand something. Try as you may with all your effort. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, it's not going to go how you want it to go. Because in the flesh, on my own, I don't have it all together. So what's the river? Again, John 7, 39, he says, By this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So when he talks about the spring of water that lives inside of us, that, he is, that he's offering to the people, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, what's really cool is that when Jesus was on earth, uh, and this is kind of like theological lingo, if you, if you glaze out, it's all right. But Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. So he's God incarnate in a human body. And what that means is that when God was on earth, he was bound to his human body, Jesus being bound to his human body. And when he leaves, when he's glorified, he's like, hey, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. Don't worry. Because the believer's like, we don't want to lose you. This is going to suck, whatever. He's like, it's all good. He's like, I'm sending someone. And if you didn't know this, the Holy Spirit is God. And the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is there's no humanity in him. Right? He's not bound by a body. So he is available to everyone at all times. All we need to do is ask. How cool is that? And here's what I believe to be true. The Holy Spirit changes everything. It changes. If you're a believer in this place, and maybe you're like your life has not gone in the direction you want it to go. It's like I've been in church, but nothing really changes, and my behavior's not changing, and my life's not changing, and I'm not anymore. I would wager to guess perhaps you haven't yet experienced the fullness of the Spirit. Because it is only within the fullness of the Spirit that things can begin to change. Now, it's a process. If you've been in church, depending on your circle, like some people love to talk about the first time you get filled. And, and that's, that's important. If you've never received the Holy Spirit, like you need to invite him in. But just as important is the continual Ill, infilling of the Holy Spirit. To say each and every day, Father, I need your spirit to guide me. I need your spirit to refine me. I need your spirit to lead me into truth. When I read your word, I need your Holy Spirit. I can't do this by myself. It's not working by myself. And I'm here to let you know the Spirit changes everything. It changes everything. It's a gift and it's a guarantee. Now, I want you to understand something. Here's what I think people need. I think people need a church that is filled with the Holy Spirit. I think it needs a church that exercises the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Every gift that God gives to the church is in order to edify and build the church. But just as important as we need the gifts of the Spirit, we also need the fruits of the Spirit. And the reason we need the fruits of the Spirit is because if I have the gifts but not the fruit, I don't really have anything. Because I need kindness 
I need joy. I need peace. I need patience. I need love. I need self-control. And I don't know about y'all, but on my own, I don't always have those things. I tell people around 9 o'clock, you don't want to see me around 9 p.m. The spirit's starting to fade. I'm tired. But with him, everything changes. Now, worship team, I don't know where y'all are at. If you can hear my voice, come on the stage because first service was awkward. We're not, we're not going to happen like that again. You can take that. Thank you, Jake. Here's what I believe to be true. I believe that through this church, through the people in here, especially those who have already been saved, if you're in this place and you're saved, because you know our vision, everything can change. And understand this, God's always changing everything. My heart's always being made new. But if you're in this place and you're saying to yourself, what, what role do I have to play if, if this is just for, for thirsty people and lost people? I want you to understand this, simple as this. We need you now more than ever. We need you now more than ever. Because the Lord's about to bring people who are thirsty. And maybe you've been coming to this place and, and it's not quite home yet. Maybe you've been on the fence. That's okay. But I want to make the appeal. If God has changed your life, I want you to come into this place and help other people experience that same Jesus. Because I believe with every fiber of my being, and I believe it because it happened in my life. Y'all don't know the old me. Y'all want, you want the old me? You don't want the old me back. Right, I'm living in the newness of Christ. And what I know is it just takes a moment, it just takes a second, and everything can change. Everything can change. So li listen for a second. In this place, let's stand for a second. When we sang the song this morning at 11 o'clock, some of y'all were following in, some of you guys didn't have a seat, some of you guys are still at Starbucks. Right now, Kyle, you can hit that light because people are going to get crazy. We don't need to call them out. We're going to proclaim the name of Jesus, but we're also going to believe this is a church, this is a place where everything can change. Come on, man. I, I want to make an invitation. If you're in this place right now, your life doesn't look the way you want it to look, I want to invite you up to the altar because I believe right here at the altar, everything can change. In just a moment, everything can change. If you're in this place and you're saying, Harrison, I want to be used in a way that I've never been used before. I don't want to look inward anymore. I want to look outward. I want to invite you up to the altar because I think at the altar, in the presence of Jesus, everything can change. And whether you come up here or not, that's all right. I want you to lift up and I want you to proclaim the name of Jesus. But if you're in this place, I want you to walk forward. If you're feeling nervous in your spirit, like, should I do it? Are people going to see me? It's all right. Josh and Chase are already here. They're at the altar. But we're, we're, we're singing this now. We're not, we're not singing this. We're declaring this. I believe in Kingdom Church over the next 365 days and beyond, people are going to walk into this place broken and they're going to leave healed. People are going to walk in this place bound, but they're going to walk out free because everything can change. Everything can change. So come on, as we sing this song, if you feel like the Lord's calling you to come to the front, I would just love to be here with you. And maybe we can pray for you if you want prayer. But come on, let's sing this out. Let's declare this together. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to that message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.